0: Hello, and welcome to No More Mr. Nice Guy. So glad you are here. Welcome to the party. My name is Katherine Brooks, and I am a life coach for men. And No More Mr. Nice Guy is a podcast to help men undo the patterns that they have learned in their conditioning that are keeping them stuck. Patterns of nice guy syndrome. Nice guy syndrome is this... Foundational worldview where men believe if I'm nice and agreeable, then I deserve love, belonging, and to have my needs met without being asked. That's the definition of nice guy syndrome. And to have nice guy syndrome can mean a lot of things. It is a large spectrum. You might relate to nice guy syndrome at a one out of 10, you might relate to it at a 10 out of 10, and feel like your entire life is dictated by this drive to be performatively agreeable in a transactional way so that other people give you praise or recognition or belonging or whatever it may be. Or you might feel it at a one out of 10 and notice that in certain relationships, you're people-pleasing a little bit and you're putting on kind of the nice guy air because you don't want to ruffle feathers. But in other parts of your life, you notice that doesn't come up and it's a lot easier to just be you. Speak truthfully, speak from the heart. And we are here to help nice guys wherever you are on that scale of 10. And today I want to share with you some of the big transformations that I've personally had in my coaching. And I want to do this because I want to show you what it can really look like to change significantly and to really become a different person, because I absolutely have since I've started getting coaching. And to just give you examples of what some of the transformations are that are available to you, because certainly any change that I've made is 100% available to you. So I sat down with my journal and a tea, and I was really reflecting on what are the biggest ways that I have changed as a person in the last four years, and I'm giving that time frame because since the middle of 2019, four years ago, I have been getting regular coaching. So in the middle of 2019, I joined a group coaching program, a women's group coaching program. After that, I hired my first one-to-one life coach. After that, I joined other group coaching programs. So since that time, I have had regular coaching in the form of one-to-one group, larger programs, etc. And the way I move in the world is radically different from the day in 2019 before I signed up for that first group coaching program. And I want to share with you how and what it looks like now. First, I want to mention that all coaching, whether it's business coaching, so having an executive coach, Life coaching, dating coaching, nice guy coaching, health coaching. You see all these different niches in the world of coaches. And I want to name that the bulk of this work, no matter what specialty you're exploring, it boils down to the same teachings applied across all these categories of our lives. And these teachings are you are the source of your own experience, So this runs counter to what you've been taught by society. Society says that your circumstances and other people are to blame for where you are in your life right now. And that is completely false. You are creating your current experience and you have the power to change that experience whenever you want. I love this Maya Angelou quote. She writes, what you're supposed to do when you don't like a thing is change it. If you can't change it, change the way you think about it. She is referring to the essence of coaching. The power of your life is entirely in your hands, even if no one has ever told you that before. Even if you've never believed that for a minute of your life, it's still true. The second main teaching that kind of runs within all coaching is change is possible. You have the power to create your reality. And actually, you're creating your reality right now. And it's the reality that you see with your two eyeballs when you're looking around. You can create a new reality. Human beings are powerful creators. What is required is taking 100% ownership for your part in your life. So that means seeing yourself as responsible This is one of the biggest shifts that I've made, is seeing myself as responsible. And that doesn't mean I need to beat myself up if there's a part of my life that I want to be different. It simply means my thoughts and my habits have created that now. And so new thoughts and new habits can create something different. So change is possible is another pivotal component of all coaching. Okay. And the third one is mindset is everything your beliefs are powerful what you are believing about yourself about the world about work about other people come true and so any limiting beliefs that you're holding about the world are also coming true so look around at areas of your life that you might label a problem and then look at your beliefs about them and just notice if any of your beliefs are limiting or unhelpful because mindset is everything means you're in charge of curating which of those beliefs actually supports the life you want. So those are some things that all coaching shares. And I want to name those because those have been the foundational principles that have really set me up for the changes that I've had. And one other quote that I just love from Michael Singer also really sums up the essence of what coaching really helps you to do. And he writes, only you can take inner freedom away from yourself or give it to yourself. Nobody else can. So on that note, let me share the three big categories in my life where I've experienced radical change in the last four years. So they are my connection to myself, my connection to others, and my connection to my purpose. So here are some parts of my connection to myself that are completely different from, let's say, me in the middle of 2019. To start, I have learned how to feel my feelings. I've learned emotional wellness, and that means feeling, naming, and processing my emotions in a healthy way. And what this opens up for me is a lot more clarity and self-awareness. When we are unaware of our emotions and what's happening when we're having an emotional experience, we have a lot less information available to us. Now, if I'm at the grocery store and I'm noticing some anger coming up, I'm asking myself, hmm, where's that coming from? And I can find an answer. Maybe I was triggered by somebody I saw in the store or maybe a memory is coming to me and I'm feeling angry about that. But now that I'm able to recognize, hey, there's anger here, I have more self-awareness available to me because that emotion also is like a messenger. It's sharing information. And that has been huge in simply how I carry myself. I've stopped being afraid of my own emotional experience. Another thing is... I've stopped seeing self-doubt as a stop sign. So self-doubt and doubting thoughts are 100% natural and normal, especially when we present ourselves with something new, a new way of being, a new way that we want our bodies to look, a new health regime, whatever it is, when we present ourselves with, hey, I want to do this new thing, self-doubt is totally going to come up, especially if it's something you've never done before. And to me, that used to be a bright red stop sign. And now I notice, oh, I'm having some self-doubt and it feels uncomfortable, but that's a sign that I'm putting myself out there. And so I no longer let it stop me. Another one, I have learned how to ask for support when I need it. When I'm spinning, when I feel stuck, when I feel down and I could use company, I had no idea previously how to ask for help and how to do so in a way where I didn't feel like I was just clinging on to someone else and mooching off of their energy. I've learned to recognize moments when supporting myself is not enough or when I just want more support than I can give myself. And now I know how to ask for that. That has made a lot of really challenging moments a hell of a lot smoother. Okay, another really big learning in my connection to myself is I actually learned what shame is, finally. I used to think it was guilt. I used to think, oh, I'm feeling bad because I did that thing. And I thought that was guilt. And in one of the coaching programs, someone responded to me and said, that sounds like shame, not guilt. And I went into a deep rabbit hole trying to figure out the difference. And finally was like, oh, I get what Brene Brown is talking about now. The brief difference is guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am bad. So if you borrow a friend's car and you get into an accident, guilt would sound like I totally made a mistake. I was going a little too fast. That was not behavior I want to repeat. Shame would sound like I'm such an idiot. I always fuck up. I'm such a piece of shit. Hear the difference? Now that I know truly what shame is and how to identify when I'm shaming myself, I also know how to care for myself in that moment. So shame exists in hiding. And what helps shame go away is when it's witnessed. So now I know if I'm feeling shame about something, I phone a friend. Because when shame has a witness and I speak it out loud, it goes away. And this is actually a boundary that I have with myself. That is, if I notice I'm in a shame spiral or shame is coming up, phone a friend. And this goes into the next big learning, which is when I get stuck, I respond differently now. So it used to be that I would be really embarrassed that I would be stuck and I wouldn't share it with anyone and I would just be in this loop for weeks or months on end. Now, when I'm stuck, I know I'm not seeing a blind spot. I know I'm in some kind of looping pattern and I'm not able to see the exit door. So now I ask for support. I ask a coach friend for some coaching. I ask a friend to hear me out. Now I get unstuck a hundred times quicker because even if I can't see my blind spot, I know I'm in a loop where an outside perspective is going to help. And the last couple of big transformations that I've had in my connection to myself, I just now have tools to help myself move through challenging times, like actual tools where I can sit down, say, huh, I'm noticing a really unhelpful thought right now. And now I have a system to work through that. And because I feel like I have tools in my tool belt, I'm more likely to take risks in the direction that I want to go because I know if I get stumped on something, I have ways to help myself. And the biggest transformation I've had in my connection to myself is a whole new commitment to living in alignment with my values. And you know, when I say that out loud, It sounds a little bit cheesy and it sounds very life coachy and kind of therapy-like. But the way to operate in this world in the smoothest possible way is to make decisions that line up with what's important to you. And I take this very seriously now. So some people may not even know their values and it's worth just Googling values exercise and figuring yours out. I did exercises like that years ago and my values haven't changed. The four values that I have that I think about when I make decisions are well-being, connection, integrity, and growth. If I have a decision and it aligns with one of those four, it's probably a yes for me. The reason I take this so seriously is because of the whole can I fall asleep at night thing? When I know that in a day, the actions I took lined up with my values, no matter how I felt that day or no matter if I thought it went good or bad, I know that that's a win for me. And I want to live a life that feels connected to what is most important to me. And my sense is, you might want that too. So figuring out your values, and then starting to make decisions in alignment with those is one of the biggest gifts that you can give to yourself, even if it feels totally fucking terrifying. All right. So those were the transformations that I had in my connection to myself. And a lot of those were unexpected and things that actually I wasn't working on when I signed up for coaching, but naturally came about when I would take on a big challenge or set a goal and realize, wow, I'm shaming myself a lot. This is completely unhelpful, or I'm realizing I'm getting stuck all the time. I got to figure out better ways to handle this. They're like little life lessons that have been squeezed out on the path. Okay, so here's how I've changed in my connection to other people. Some of the biggest transformations have been, I've learned how to communicate my feelings so that others know where I stand. That creates a lot more intimacy. I have more intimacy and connection in my friendships than I've ever had. Learning to communicate my feelings meant first figuring out what the fuck my feelings even were in the moment. (laughs) And then having the bravery to even say that out loud. So even once I knew what I was feeling and could feel it in my body and could process it, it terrified me to share that with somebody else, unless it was one of my closest, closest people. But now that level of transparency is my standard because I have no more tolerance for the anxiousness I would feel when I would have an emotional experience and not be saying it out loud to somebody else. That tightness and constriction and feeling like I'm holding back and like I'm not being truthful with somebody, that all makes me feel like crap. And I have no tolerance to sit in that. It feels like pipes that are clogged. And when those pipes are cleared, connection flows so much easier. Another way that I've changed a lot, and has really supported my connection, is I've learned to set boundaries. In 2019, I knew what boundaries were. I had no idea what mine were, how to state them to others. Because of that, I noticed I was in a lot of pretty significant people-pleasing dynamics. And I would only really know my boundaries after they were crossed, and after I had some resentment building. And I even had a situation where a friend crossed my boundaries because I had no idea what they were and I didn't set them. And I tried to retroactively set them, kind of bumbled my way through stating them. Ultimately, that created a lot of disconnection because she felt like she didn't really understand why I was creating this sort of new way for us to interact, because I really hadn't set any precedent for that. And why I love the skill of setting boundaries up front is because it allows people to know where you stand and it allows them to know where they stand in relation to you. Humans are animals. And when we interact, we're looking for the other people's boundaries. We're looking where we can push. We're looking where someone will push back. We're looking where we stand. And this is one of the greatest skills that I've learned. It makes people be able to trust me more because they know that I'll be clear with them. It makes me be able to trust myself more and to show up with a lot more presence and calm because I'm not also trying to manage the people around me. And I'm also not on the defense for them possibly slighting me or crossing my boundaries in some way that I haven't named. Another big transformation is I do way less people pleasing and managing other people's emotions for them than ever before. I am not perfect, it still comes up, people pleasing is so deeply embedded in our bone marrow from societal programming, and it's also a self-protective safety mechanism at times. However, it creates distrust and disconnection 100% of the time, even though people pleasing is a pseudo way of connection, it's not actually true intimacy when you're showing up in an exaggerated way or trying to manipulate another person, that's not intimacy. We don't often think of people pleasing as manipulation, but it really is. It's adapting your behavior, demeanor, words to try to create a specific emotional experience in somebody else. It's manipulative. Being able to to drop that and even drop it in the moment when I notice it happening and to just take a breath and come back to myself takes away so much social anxiety. And that's been a gigantic gift. All right. The last one in my connection to others that's been a really big change is I have dropped so much of my own perfectionism, really holding myself to these insane standards of I have to be perfect in these ways. And an unexpected side effect of that is that I now see my mistakes and other people's mistakes simply as human errors, as mistakes that we all make and potential for learning. In the coaching world, we would call those a another fucking opportunity for growth. And dropping the standards of perfection that I've held for myself and believing, if I'm not perfect, then I deserve shame. If I'm not perfect, then I don't deserve love and belonging. It's allow me to meet other people in their imperfection and not feel concerned about it, to not feel like that reflects negatively on me. Perfectionism does not just affect us. It really, really infuses into our relationships and letting a significant amount of that go. Again, I'm totally not at 100% here, but letting a lot of that go has just opened up space for people to just be who they are and be messy. And I want to be in relationships where we can be messy and we give each other grace. And I know when I've held on really tight in perfectionist ways, I'm not giving people grace. So releasing that has just created space, just space space to show up as ourselves. And that is kindling for genuine connection. Okay, the third category where I've had so much change has been the connection to my purpose. Now, sometimes I really question the use of the word purpose, because I think there's this fetishization of needing to know your exact life purpose and nothing is right or meaningful until you do. And it's like this elusive thing that exists outside of you that we all have to like scramble to find. I think that that's an unhelpful way to look at purpose. I think you could just choose something that's important to you right now, even if that's not going to be how you spend the rest of your days and take a couple of action steps towards something that's important to you, and that can be purposeful. It feels like right now in the zeitgeist, we're giving so much weight to this capital P purpose, and I fear that it makes people feel less than to not know what theirs is, when really just choose something that's important to you and contribute to that. Let's just start there. So my purpose is helping people navigate change so that they can better their lives. That's what coaching is. That's what this podcast is. It's just what I love to do. I love to help people take big leaps in the direction that they actually want to go in. The last four years of coaching for me have helped me deepen my connection to that mission more than I ever thought possible. I now feel like I'm at a long-term marriage with this mission. Whereas before we were maybe dating and I was maybe lightly interested sometimes. And now it is like, we are full on. We're doing this thing forever. It is happily ever after. One of the big learnings within that is I had to learn what it meant to go all in. I knew coaching was a path that I wanted to explore. I knew I wanted to support men I was sort of half in, in my head, I had to learn how to put my money where my mouth is. And so when I started this business, I decided, this is it, I'm going all in. Now, everybody's path on their professional trajectory looks different. But for me to take it seriously, I wanted to put my money where my mouth was. So I've invested tens of thousands of dollars into my coaching, into the business, into business coaching. I sold my car to invest in the business. I borrowed money from friends to invest in the business. And this is all in service of my purpose. Showing myself over and over and over how much I'm taking it seriously has helped me commit in such a big way so that when the inevitable challenges come up as they Definitely do. I'm not questioning, huh, is this for me? Maybe there's something else out there for me. It's like, how do we face this one challenge? Because we're moving forward no matter what. And that's an attitude I've never had about actually anything in my professional life before. And it feels really good because it just removes all of the second guessing of, is this the right thing for me? Maybe there's something else out there. And if you're in that place, that's all good. I was in that place before I just decided to commit to coaching. The greater purpose of coaching, which is to help people better their lives, it's okay if you don't feel 100% committed right now. That's not what I'm preaching. What I'm saying is for me, there was a huge transformation when I decided this is it and I'm going all in. And another component of this change is the realization I've had, which is no matter what my professional life setup looks like, I'll always be in some way, shape or form supporting this purpose. I'll always be in some way, shape or form supporting people to navigate the change required to improve their lives. So it may not look like coaching people one-to-one or talking on a podcast or being on social media. It may look completely different, but I know that that is. And on a more practical level, one of the big transformations I've had is learning how to build a sustainable business without burning out. And I'm still actively in that learning. But that was really important to me because I had felt the burnout cycle before and knew that it comes with a level of demoralization that I'm just unwilling to go to, deepening my connection to my purpose. And in fact, even owning what my purpose is and how I want to be playing that out in the world. The last four years is really the first time that I've ever done that in a big way. And to have the second guessing removed of, is this for me? I don't know, is like getting leaps and bounds of energy back. So I want to share one more quote, and this one is from Joseph Campbell. I just love this quote it sums up so much of what coaching is about and so much of what these changes have really meant for me. And he writes, we must be willing to get rid of the life we've planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. The life that is waiting for us will cost you the life you currently have. Are you willing to give that up? This is why life coaches exist, to help you do that, But first, it really requires you asking yourself, what do I want? And am I willing to go through the discomfort of getting it? If your answer to that is yes, and you know the answer to what do I want? I would love to talk to you about one-to-one coaching. I love working with men, supporting them to have a whole life upgrade, just a big across the board expansion. And if there's something within you that is calling out to get to your next level, let's talk. The first step is to schedule a discovery call with me, which is totally free. It's an hour. We go through where you are, where you want to go, and we do a clarity exercise that'll help figure out what are your three biggest blocks in the way. So everybody gets a lot of awareness out of these calls and I would love to speak to you. The link to schedule a discovery call is in the show notes. Get on my calendar. It would be such a treat to have a chat. And if you would just like to say hi, send me a DM on Instagram. I'm at Kath Brooks and that is also in the show notes. And I would love to hear what's going on how you're thinking about this podcast, how you're thinking about changes you've made in the last few years, send me an update. So lovely being here with you. Thank you for listening. I will see you next week. This is no more Mr. Nice Guy.